Hey, everybody, this is episode 47 of Artist Soapbox. Hello, and welcome to Artist Soapbox, a podcast featuring triangle area artists talking about their work, their plans, their manifestos. I am Tamara Kassane. This month has seen some new experiments on the soapbox. The latest is the opportunity for listeners to submit anonymous questions to the podcast, whether they're creative, personal, professional, or artistic, and I'll give it my best shot to answer them. If I can't, I'll find an expert who can. It's like a quick version of Dear Abby, Dear Sugar, Ask Polly meeting the soapbox. I'll put a link in the show notes, but you'll also see it on the menu bar of our website, artistsoapbox.org, under the Submit Your Cues tab. And guess what? Even more exciting? I've already received some questions. At the end of this episode, I'll answer a query from Calendar Crazed. So stick around. Today I'm talking with Kaylee Morrison, actor and director of education at Burning Coal Theater in Raleigh. She grew up in Fayetteville, North Carolina, got a degree in theater from Campbell University, and now lives in Durham. She acts in shows in and around the Triangle. In this episode, we talk about Kaylee's work in educational programming as she moves into her second year at Burning Coal. I was really moved by Kaylee's stories of young actors and playwrights who felt the full and positive impact of their interactions in the theater. And I was reminded again how precious teachers are. As a parent of two children, I am grateful every day for the adults who help raise my children up and expand their minds through education. Thank you, Kaylee, and thank you, teachers. Here we go. Hi, Kaylee. Hi, Tamara. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Kaylee, you're the director of education for Burning Coal Theater in Raleigh. Would you give us a sense of the scope of the educational offerings that Burning Coal provides and your role as director of education? Well, that that's big. <laughs> we we do a lot of uh, educational programming from in-school residencies. We uh, take trips to different places and provide some theatrical tours uh, for both students and adults. We just wrapped up our uh, middle school camp, which is called our Summer Theater Conservatory Junior. We're about to get started with our Summer Theater Conservatory Senior, which is for high school students. We do those every summer. Um, we do some historical plays with uh, Oakwood Cemetery. And uh, one of my favorite programs, which we just did back in May, and it's done in May of every year, um, is a program called Kids Write, where we invite local young playwrights in grades 6 through 12 to submit their original plays. We pick a few, and then we produce them with an adult company. With Bird and Cole? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like you offer opportunities for kids through adults. Yeah, yeah. And I forgot to mention, we also do uh, adult classes on different topics, auditioning, public speaking. Um, Jerry, our artistic director, Jerry Davis, or Jerome Davis, as he's known professionally, he teaches a Udahagen class, technique class every every summer. And what is your role in all of this? I mean, you're not just an administrator, but you're also, you also teach. Right. So... Yeah, I, I do a lot of the administrative work. I do a lot of the promotions and marketing of, of these different programming. But I'm also, you know, the one on the ground uh, going into schools. I, I teach all the residencies. I uh, organize all the theatrical tours. I uh, solicit all the and, and go through and um, read through all the all the submissions for kids, right? Um, so 
I'm kind of doing a, a huge bulk of it. And of course, I get support from from Jerry and uh, uh, my coworker Alex, and um, we have interns interns uh, in from time to time. And but it's a lot of programming. I, th- I think I probably didn't even mention all of it, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm just kind of in there and every piece of it and working towards it and maintaining it and hopefully trying to grow it as well. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about that. You. You're coming up on your first anniversary in this yes. position. Mm-hmm. How has that first year gone for you? Yeah, well, I, of course, I've known of Burning Coal for, for quite a while, and I, I had worked with them as an actor before. So I started last September as uh, their director of education, and it's it's been really challenging. It's, it, there's been a lot of things I've had to, to learn and navigate, but I've been so pleasantly surprised by how well everything has kind of gone. Do, doing something so kind of there's structure, but then there's also having to feel around and finding myself in it. I will always give credit to, and everyone should give credit to uh, Ian Fenley, who had a huge hand in shaping the education um, program at Burning Coal. Um, he was the director of education several years back. I'm not sure when exactly he stepped away to, to now he, he teaches um, full time. He was so instrumental in creating this, a lot of these programs and making them what they are. And uh, as I know to a certain degree, and as you know, I'm sure many other people in the triangle know who have worked and know and love Ian, um, like incredible energy and mm-hmm. an incredible uh, talent for teaching. And uh, so, so he he's responsible for for creating a lot of this programming um, along with other people um, and and Jerry and, and other folks who I'm sure have had their hands in it. That I just wasn't around to see. And so I've really like inherited a lot of these, these programs. And so, so finding my way into, okay, how can I get this to work in a way that makes sense for me um, has been really challenging, but also so rewarding. I've had to do so many things. I've never had like basically become an event planner, um, study up on, on things I haven't thought about since college and not only studying them, but also figuring out, okay, now how do I break this down and teach it? And what's the difference between teaching it to uh, four kids for four hours versus 30 kids for one hour? And um, figuring out all those little details and, and how can I do this effectively for me? Mm-hmm. Because it's one thing to, to you know be handed a lesson plan or a curriculum or an overview of, of what something should look like a class or a residency or, or whatever the case may be, but to figure out, okay, how can I make this true for myself and explain it in a way that I think is going to connect with this person is um, a completely different animal, I think. It seems like the first year in a job is so much about just learning how things have been done right. and and getting a sense of the, the size of the position, the people who are the stakeholders and the players, and just kind of getting a sense of the environment, the culture, the day-to-day workings, kind of the rhythm of everything. And then when you move into your second year and beyond, that's when you can really put your own stamp on things and and shift. So as as you look forward, now that you've settled in, do you have thoughts about how you might grow or shift the educational offerings at Burning Coal? Yeah. So in terms of growth, I I love all the programming that we currently do. And it's all there 
for a reason. And I'm glad that we, we do all the programming that we're currently working on. And I just want to grow it. I want to expose more people to it. I want to get more uh, submissions from, from, from young playwrights for, for kids, right? I want to get more people enrolled in the adult classes. I want to get more, more kids enrolled in our, in our summer offerings. Um, and, and figuring out how to do that and figuring out how to make it more accessible in whatever way, if, if that's, you know, becoming more accessible for people who are, um, differently abled or providing some kind of access that wasn't previously available, but just basically looking for opportunities on how to get, people more involved from mm-hmm. the outside because I, I think most theaters, you know, they have um, a very like loyal, you know, kind of folk that, that um, patronize them and, and who come out and support them, you know, extending our reach a little bit farther, lo- looking for, for folks who we've not found yet or have not uh, heard of us and, you know, extending invitations to them and, and making it accessible for them as well, but still offering the same, because that's the thing is like the, the programming is, is so great and so rewarding. And I, after everything has been finished, I've just kind of been like, wow, that was really hard work, but I feel so good and to see people smiling and to have people, um, you know, say that whatever um, the program was impacted them in some kind of positive way. Uh, I want to create more opportunities for that. Mm-hmm. So, so looking for, to get the word out a little bit more um, and just growing it in terms of, you know, our, our, our population. <laughs> yeah. I can't mm-hmm. imagine you could even add anything else because the programming is so robust at like, yeah. as, especially as mm-hmm. one person doing so many things, adding more to that would seem staggering, but, but it sounds like what you're focusing on is just increasing the number of participants and expanding the, the, the breadth of your reach yeah. out into the community. How do you do that? Uh, well, that's the question. <laughs> so um, I, I really want to build relationships um, with teachers in the area. I was a teacher for, for a couple of years. I, I, I know how it feels. I know all of the um, stresses and strains that come with being a teacher. I, I mean, bless all the teachers uh, in the world, especially in the state of North Carolina. I want to help supplement what they're already doing. There's so many great things happening in schools today and, um, you know, even when, when I was in high school, when I think back to our theater program, to, to what I'm seeing uh, theater programs do now, I'm just like, wow, you guys are actually going for it. You are preparing your kids for college and for careers in the arts and for um, other things other than the arts. But but with that, you know, allowing their creativity to grow and, and giving them this great experience through your theater programs. And I really want to figure out how can I help you do that? Mm-hmm. What 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 do you need? Um, can can we sit down and talk about it? Um, how how can I how can we as a company um, supplement all the great things you're already doing and strengthen it so that when your kids your students go into a college audition they feel prepared? Um, and actually that that is something that we're going to be adding. We are adding. Oh boy! <laughs> yeah, at least at least one more thing, if if not more. But um, we're going to be having a. Um, college prep audition course for high school students uh, coming up in the fall, I believe. I'm, that's my favorite thing to do is to help uh, young people with their with their audition pieces, mm-hmm. especially like, you know, seeing their excitement about getting into a college program or, or getting a scholarship. But yeah, it, it's, it's finding, you know, where, where are the needs? How can we use our expertise to help supplement um, what you're already doing and meeting some of your needs? Mm-hmm. 
Could you go into a little bit more detail about the offerings for the kids that might supplement what the teachers are already doing? We go into schools quite uh, often and regularly. Um, and there's a few different kind of programs we do in terms of our, our in-school work. Um, we do school tours of productions. This past year, we uh, we did an abbreviated version of our main stage uh, production of Peter Pan and Wendy. Um, we took it into schools. And um, one of the most rewarding performances that we, we did of, of that was for a group of uh, third graders who actually had, had read the book. Mm-hmm. And um, to to have a talk back after them. And they asked all these questions like, why was this changed? And, you know, why did you make this decision? Like really great in-depth questions about, you know, comparing um, the literature to the stage adaptation. It was just awesome to hear them ask these questions and to answer them. We also do these very customizable um, artist in residence programs where, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll reach out to teachers and, and offer it. Or sometimes they'll reach out to me and say, hey, we could really use help with Shakespeare, we could really use help with um, audition technique, or we could really use help with whatever kind of discipline, playwriting, whatever it may be. And I will, we'll set up, you know, dates, and we'll set up lengths of time, and they'll tell me a little bit about their class and what they're working on. And I've worked with English classes, theater classes, um, clubs that, you know, don't operate within school hours. And I'll I'll go in and I'll, you know, we'll kind of do an, uh, you know, intense, whether it be a couple of hours, whether it be like a a week long thing, or I come back over the course of several weeks. But yeah, basically, whatever they need help with in uh, previous years, uh, we've done uh, production help where, you know, maybe a, a director at a school isn't sure, uh, about a certain production or they want some assistance, um, or maybe they're doing something a little bit out of their comfort zone. Maybe they're used to directing musicals and now they want to tackle a straight play and they just want an extra set of eyes and uh, extra, uh, you know, set of uh, hands, I guess, to, to kind of uh, help uh, direct. And that's something I want to do more this year as mm-hmm. well. I love going into like, you know, rehearsals where, where I'm not, you know, directly involved and having the chance to say, okay, you know, here's my objective view. Here's what's working. And here's how we can grow upon that. And here's what we need to tweak a little bit. I love doing that. Yes. <laughs> Only when invited. <laughs> I'm not just going to show up. Um, and I, I love people coming in on productions that I'm working. I love to have a fresh set of eyes to um, to say, you know, here's, here's where you're going right. And let's re-navigate what's not working as well. Or here's how you can um, find your way. You're, you're close, but here's how you're going to get to it. Just, just, you know, sometimes, uh, when, when you're working in a very collaborative environment, it's easy to kind of get lost in each other's ideas and, and, um, feel a little stuck, I, I suppose. And I, I love to have someone who I trust come in and say, you know, here, here's how you're going to find it. And I've, I've got an idea for you. Try this. And sometimes it works. And sometimes you go back to what you originally had and, you know, whatever the case may be. I love plays. I love theater. (laughs) (laughs) Have you had conversations at Burning Coal about why you even have an education department or Hmm. a series of programs? Well, I I can't recall a time where there's been a, a formal, you know, Here's why we do this, and here's the origin of this. Like, I, I don't recall ever having a, a conversation like that. I think it's just knowing burning coal as I 
as I do and um, as I did before, I, I worked there full time. How could they not? Mm. You know, um, the plays and the and the choices that they're making as a theater is unique, um, and I, I think they, they they have a very special and unique spot in in the local in the triangle community and, and arts community. The artistic director Jerry Davis, he um, the plays that he chooses and, and the the things that he wants to pursue. Of, of course, we're going to open ourselves up and invite people in. We we don't want to. I think as a company you know, feel like we're, we're building a wall and everyone stay out until it's time for you to come in as an audience member. We, we want to take all the stuff that we've, we've learned and we've gained um, as artists ourselves and help other people. I see so much extensions of, of opportunities coming through burning coal. There's, we have young people coming to work as, uh, you know, assistant stage managers and we have, we're very rich in in our interns right now. And that we have, a lot of great interns and they're gaining all kinds of um, experience that I wish I would have gotten when I was in college or in high school. And um, I think it definitely would have helped prepare me. And so opening our doors and, and not only that, but going into places, going into schools and, and finding areas, okay, where can we go? How can we take what we're doing here and bring that to you? If you can't always come to us, how can we bring that to you? It's just part of the heart. I mean, I know both, both both Jerry and I were at very young ages given these opportunities to explore theater and um, and fall in love with it. And why would you not want to give that back to somebody else? Mm-hmm. It's life changing it, if you offer that. I mean, if you offer it to adults, it's life changing. Yeah. But if you offer that entrance into the theatrical world to young people, it really can change the trajectory of their life or at a minimum cultivate them as audience members and expand their imagination. Oh my you know? gosh. I I am so grateful for, for what theater has, has done for me in my life and to, to get to give that back and to see that same energy and that same spark in the eye and, and to to be the one who's coordinating an opportunity to to make that happen, it, there's nothing like it. There's there's nothing as as rewarding as that. Would you give an example of a program this past year that you felt really good about, where you saw that spark and that oh, excitement? I think I have to go back to um, Kids Right. Um, we had five plays that we selected this year and produced, and uh, well, we had two nights of performances, and after each night, we had a talk back with the cast and any um, playwrights who were um, present for the for the performance that night. And the audience got asked questions, and first of all, completely blown away by the maturity and the intellect of of, of these students, and all from hugely different backgrounds and and um, schools you know, from, from Cary and from Raleigh and from Durham. And, oh my gosh, it, it was just like magic. So, so there was one play that dealt with the, the issue of uh, suicide and it was handled so beautifully and so thoughtfully and um, considerately. And that's something that's hard for adults to do, you know, um, it was hard. It was a hard watch, but it was beautiful and just completely raw. And I also give a lot of credit to um, the director of that play, which was uh, Lucia Foster and uh, the incredible actors who were in that show. 
Fred Corlett, who some of your listen- listeners might know, uh, deliver this beautiful monologue as this father who's lost his daughter to suicide. And I was just bawling and you could just feel the emotion in the room. And then to stop and remember that a teenager who's, who's still in school uh, wrote this and is having this much effect and this much um, impact on a room full of people. And then the opportunity for her to, to get to talk afterwards and, and um, express her hesitation in writing it and the fact that she, she went for it and she submitted it anyway. Oh my gosh, it was just magical. And there was, there were so many great plays that, that happened. Um, we had a student whose who, who's first language isn't English and he wrote a really beautiful play that I think just really resonated. Oh, there was so, oh my gosh, I just could go on and on yeah. about it. But there, I, I swear there was just this energy in the room to hear these kids see their work happen by by real you know working actors um and, and directors and then to get the chance to to talk about and explain their process and and have people genuinely interested it was no longer you know a class assignment where okay well we're all doing this we're all you know slogging through this assignment to get a good grade and um no there was a fire behind it and it was just incredible so Kids Write is a program for playwrights eight, um, grades 6 through 12. Correct. And when do they submit? This year, the deadline was March 1st. Okay. And the production happens in May. Okay. And is that pretty standard every year, that general just schedule? About. Mm-hmm, just okay. about. Yeah. And so and so we uh, we post on our social media about it. And then, of course, um, the, the main way we're, we're getting submissions is by uh, reaching out to, to teachers. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they send a script. Sometimes they have their students like, hey, I have a student who's working on this and she might be sending you something. So, And what happens after the students submit their script? You read them and then is there a – do you sit down with the playwright and suggest edits or is it done just as the playwrights have submitted it? Well, this um, this past year, we, we went through all the submissions, me and a little committee of, of readers – and we gave written feedback to to each playwright who had submitted, um, and we gave them that feedback. And for those who uh, were selected, and the process of selection, um, it's tricky because there were several that we could do. And the way we we go about it is we want we want pieces that will pair nicely together. They don't have to you know be the same like kind of theme. They don't have to. It, it's not so much about like are they you know jack to jill you know right, <laughs> like it's, right. it's not that but do they work together um is it feasible um a lot of playwrights of all ages have a tendency to write more cinematically and you know like okay well this reads very cinematically but can it be done on stage can we figure out some kind of solution for it for, from the selective we we have conversations with with playwrights um as needed some are like ready to go some like okay i don't think we really need to change anything some it's like Hey, can we, the wording is a little awkward in this monologue. Can you maybe make an edit of that? Um, or, Hey, there's this issue here and we're going to, um, solve it this way. Is that okay with you? Mm-hmm. For example, uh, one of the plays that we had this past year was a play called Masker. And, um, to, to read it on the page, it, it, it read as very cinematic, but I fell in love with it. Um, the story and the characters were so endearing. And and just touched my heart, and I I thought if there's a way we can do this, we have to do this. The basic concept is 
there was um, a young man with uh, a, a, a magic mask, I, I suppose, or a bunch of magic masks that completely transform his outward appearance into whoever he is taking on that day. And people actually hire him to impersonate them. So they don't have to deal with the stresses and, and the, the, you know, trials and tribulations of their own life. They can just give some guy some money and he can kind of, you know, play that role for the day. And we're like, how are we going to do this? <laughs> and uh, the solution that we eventually came up with was to have everyone in this world wearing masks, everyone in the world of the play wearing masks. And it wasn't until he goes home at night and takes off, his mask that he's his true self we, we gave that a try i think it worked really nicely and um i was really glad that we got to produce that play yeah and the, the playwright um he came with some of his teachers and oh, it was it was great you are an actor and now as as the director of education you're doing a million things mm-hmm. and i'm sure that the scope of your day job responsibilities expands into the evenings into the weekends and probably rises and falls depending on the programming that you're doing sure. at burning coal on any given week how are you balancing your own creative output when you're trying to manage this really big job well it's 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 been challenging it's been tricky um so when I started the job in September, I was I was doing a run of uh, King Lear with Honest Pint and uh, Sweet Tea Shakespeare, and you know that was that you know we were in, we were in the thick of it then. You know the school year hadn't started. Um, there wasn't a lot of programming going on when I when I came on board. So I got through that. I did Peter Pan and Wendy at Burning Coal, and then I, you know, I had to take a little break, and that's been really hard <laughs> because I am so used to show after show after show after show and what's the next role or what's the next gig and things like that. And it's a total addiction for me. It's mm-hmm. very hard to step away. Um, but I decided to do that to, to, to focus and to, cause I wanted to do a, a really good job and, and give all this programming the, the attention that it, it needs. But I also took back as took a step back and, and realized this is what a great opportunity for me to learn as well. Um, because I'm just working and working and working on shows that I'm not taking time to absorb or to explore other uh, techniques or to try different things. And it's been so rewarding to, to kind of learn through teaching and to have to like, okay, I have to read this book again. It's been a long time since I've, I've thought about, um, you know, Michael Shortliff, or uh, it's been a long time since I've, I've thought about um, Meisner or whatever in, you know, exercising terms that might not be the right word, right, but, sure. but in terms of like, you know, doing the work, not, you know, of course, you know, every, every role I prepare for, I answer certain questions and I do a little exploration. I play around with movement and, and voice and things like that, but to like really stop like you're back in school again and like let me try this exercise let me let me try this um because i'm I'm doing it along with the students you know and 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 you know seeing like little light bulbs come on for them it's also coming on for me like if i make if i ask you to make this little tweak in your in your monologue let's see what happens oh wait i can apply that to myself as well um, because I was facing a similar issue when, as I was rehearsing, but uh, I'm hope I'm hoping to within the next year to to step a little bit more back into 
Uh, and of course, I've snuck little things in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm currently working on a independent film that uh, shoots very, very occasionally, and uh, did a little role in our Oakwood series. Kind of snuck in there a little bit, so I, I haven't broken the habit completely. But I am hoping uh, I start. I've started to go on auditions uh, for for next season. But yeah, any, anyone that's got a, a full time day job and they're also pursuing theater, it's they know the struggle. It, it's hard. And especially like when you don't always get to leave your, your work at work when there's, if you're a teacher or a theater artist or whatever, there's no such thing as doing that part-time. There's always more planning. There's always something you can perfect. There's always something that you can implement better. Um, you know, you can, you have to adjust even lesson plans you've already created. Well, now I have more students than I expected. So how can I adjust that? There's always more to do. Um, and so trying to find the balance Still, still, I'm still working on that, but I, I think I've, you know, I've gotten through all the first times of everything. Um, and so I, I feel way better equipped to go, um, moving towards my second year at Burning Coal. I imagine it's, it also could be a boundary issue that I've seen with educators before. It's, you know, you are taking care of everyone else. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. and it, as part of your job and by taking care, I mean, you're, you're teaching mm-hmm. and you're, you know, you're caring for them and you're helping them move along, you're answering questions and reserving some of that for your own self-care or creative growth can be challenging because other people, they want you, they want to eat up what you have to offer. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, and it's, it's looking for answers to their questions, but I love what you said about taking the opportunity to consider what it is that you're teaching and seeing if you can apply that to your own right. work and and framing that as a gift to give yourself the mm-hmm. fact that you have some time to study and then to reflect and then to yeah. apply, you know? Yeah, it, it's – I'm glad I did it because, like I said, I was just working and working and show after show after show that – and it was great. Don't get me wrong. Um, I had a really amazing year, but it's been good to, to realize, you know, there's so much more I want to learn. Um, it's it's taught me like, okay, I, I want to study more. I want to take more classes myself. I need sometimes to, to step back and say, I need help with this. Even though I feel very confident teaching it, it's taught me sometimes you do need that other set of eyes and you do need that other, you know, person with, with the expertise to, you know, because acting like it, you you can like you know record yourself and watch it back, but I would not recommend that. I just yeah. that's it's not just, the same. No, no. And two, it's just you're focusing on how do you look and all this stuff. It's not like you know an athlete that can watch a playback or something. It's just it's just not the same. And um, sometimes you do need you know a coach or or someone to 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 help you out. And that's what's taught me is you know don't don't make yourself don't close yourself off to getting coaching or or, or help, even though. Once again, I feel very confident doing that for other people. You you got to have somebody check your form every once in a while, and uh, I, I've I've tried to do a little bit more of that this past year, especially with I've been doing um, some more uh, auditions. You know, having you know, like, hey, instead of me working on this at home alone, maybe can you actor friend, can you read these sides with me, or um, you know, can I get some coaching from you for you know an hour or so and. And then, of course, everything I've learned from other people, I've been able to apply as well. So it's just this kind of cyclical thing, I guess. 
It's amazing what happens when we reach out and share our yeah. knowledge and collaborate yeah. and get other people's input. I, I am so want to just, you know, build a fortress around myself and just like, okay, I've got to suffer through this on my own and, you know, try my best and grit it out. And But this past year, I've really learned it's okay to say stop. I need a little help or, or I could use, you know, someone else's perspective. And taking a little time away from just show after show after show has – has really helped me do that. But I'm very, you know, excited to get back into shit. Right. <laughs> Don't right. get me wrong. Um, what do you think that you're really good at as an educator? One thing that I love teaching, I think I'm really good at, is uh, auditions, which is the thing I probably need the most help with, I- ironically. And I don't know if it's like a directorial eye thing I have going on, but like I, I just... I think I'm able to give feedback in a way that's both constructive, um, but not in a way that's tearing people down. There's so many teachers in this world that, you know, they want to help. They want people to grow, but they're either too, they're afraid to like say anything that's might be considered mean or they go for the jugular. <laughs> and I think I've, I've found a way to, to, to give feedback that's both constructive, but also, it's something they can grow upon as opposed to feeling torn down. And the thing I'm most proud of through all my teaching experience, but before I worked at Burning Coal and now with Burning Coal, is the rapport I've been able to build with, with some students. And it tends to be the students that are a little displaced. They're a little, they don't know where they fit in. They don't know how to bring their unique gifts to, to the table. And I've, you know, I've had some beautiful conversations with students and I've, uh, that's the thing I'm, I'm most proud of. And as a teacher, um, in any capacity, when I see someone that wants to, to shy away or they, or they want to act out or they want to, you know, do something that's not helping them and then finding a way to, to, to make them feel comfortable and finding a way to, to show them, Hey, you've got this great thing going on. Don't let the other stuff get in the way. Mm. And, and building that trust and that rapport, I honestly just want to get emotional because I just think about all the amazing students I've had and just saying, hey, I see you and and you're good. You've got something to offer. And I believe in you. Even if you don't right now, I do. And I'm, I'm very happy that I've been able to create that. It wasn't something I was expecting. I never expected to go into education at all and so it's been an amazing surprise and blessing to me I think when you work with students on audition technique do you see patterns certain things that you would be very likely to say to a student or to most students who come in front of you yeah and it's something that I'm completely guilty of we move our feet like really crazy. <laughs> uh, Planted. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and it's just people not trusting their instincts. And, and I do the same thing. And I, I had an audition a few months ago where um, the very, very kind people that I won't mention, they're like, do you want to sit down? I'm like, yeah, actually I do. I don't know why I felt like I had to move so much because I don't know, actors in our heads, we get so awkward sometimes and we either want to move all around or, or, you know, be completely or try to keep ourselves still when we want to, you know, take flight, you know, encouraging them to be present in that moment. Like, what is your body telling you to do? That's, that's true. 
you know, um, because yeah, you might feel like, oh, I have to move all around, but are you connected to that? Or is it like jitters? You know, if you take, if you took a breath in and really breathed in the air of this moment, your body's going to know what to do. And that's like just, just one thing I, I would say, but that's something I, I have to tell almost everyone that I work with um, in terms of auditioning because they just don't know where to go, what to do, be still, don't be still. Oh, I'm not moving enough. This isn't creating a, a, a nice looking stage picture. You know, get, get out of your just just be in that moment, just breathe in that air and let whatever happens happen. How do you define yourself at this particular moment? Because it sounds like, I mean, it sounds like you feel really comfortable as an actor, mm-hmm. but I'm hearing some directorial tendencies here and then you also have this whole educator piece right what role and i don't mean role like character role sure. but <laughs> what what role do you feel most comfortable attaching to your name right now <laughs> i always identify first as an actor um because i feel like that's the thing that kind of gave birth to my creativity and and to my soul as an artist. And that's the one I could never, you know, I could never not ever do again. I would be heartbroken if someone came to me and said, Kaylee, you will never act again. Oh my God, I would be devastated. I would be very devastated if someone told me I I could never direct or, or teach again as well. But that has been ingrained from the various from my earliest memories. And I didn't have the words for it, but essentially I've always known that I was an actor. Um, and the other things have just been amazing, delightful surprises that I've learned so much. And everything kind of goes back to, how can I apply this to acting? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe somewhat a little selfishly, but but through, through directing and through um, teaching, it's been an amazing opportunity to give that back that what acting has and theater has, has given to me to, to be able to give that back a little bit to someone else and see those sparks and see like someone come to life and be present in a moment. That's well, I always say that, you know, acting is the thing I want to do, but I think my calling is to help people. And I've always, you know, tried to find how can I bring those two things mm-hmm. together because there are greater needs in this world than theater. And that's hard for me to say because that's the thing I love most in this world. But if I can help keep someone safe or, you know, feed someone who is hungry, um, whether that be literal or, you know, metaphorical, that's like nothing else I've ever experienced. And doing, working with students has given me that opportunity. But I, I am an actor, I think, always. Last question. Mm-hmm. Do you have an example of a meaningful interaction that you've had with a student that you still think about? I, I can think of, of several, and they're all kind of similar. But I, I think back to when I was teaching um, at, a, at a charter school and having so many kids stay after class to tell me about their day mm. and to tell me what was going on or that so-and-so was bothering them or they, they didn't like being in their class anymore because – they felt bad about this thing or so-and-so made fun of their clothes. And this is something that I don't recall doing when I was, when I was a kid, but, and then they would hug me and just seeking some kind of comfort. And, you know, I don't remember ever hugging a teacher when I, when I was, when I was a kid, it's just so sweet to, to know that 
I am someone that can listen to someone and make them feel a little bit better. I can't, I can't fix everything. I will try my hardest, but yeah, I, I think back to, and this is when I was living and working in Fayetteville. And uh, I, I still think about those kids all the time because there, there was just so many wonderful kids and I miss them all. And I'm really sad that I am not their teacher anymore. Um, but I, I knew it was time to, to, to move on to other places and other things. And I just think back to those kids and I, I think back to, you know, um, I did a residency earlier this year where uh, a girl who she, she wasn't in the class I was working with, she had an audition coming up for, um, I won't say which school, but um, for, for a college audition. She wasn't in the class. She, she tried to get there. Like she tried to get, tried to let her other teacher let her out early. So she'd come to the class I was working with and uh, didn't happen. And I stayed with her for like, you know, after school was over and we worked on her audition piece and uh, her teacher wrote to me, it's like, she got into the school and, you know, and uh, thanks so much. I'm sure that you had a big part in that. And she's an amazing teacher as well. And, you know, obviously some talents, but she was just taking that direction so well. And, uh, and just to, to give that extra, like a little bit of time to someone who genuinely wanted it. She wasn't there because she had to be there. She wanted to be there and she wanted to learn and she's, she wanted to get into that school and, she made it happen. I'm glad that I got to, you know, help her a little bit. But yeah, things like that, just kind of those moments that happen outside of the lesson, I mm. think, I think is, is what sticks with me. Um, and I never expect them. They just kind of happen and just make me think like, hey, maybe I'm not doing too bad. <laughs> on, those, <laughs> on those days, because I think every teacher has that imposter syndrome every yeah. once in a while. And like, like, hey, maybe I, I do kind of know what I'm talking about. Maybe, maybe sometimes, you know, what what's on the lesson plan isn't the most important thing that's happening in this room. And um, I'm very grateful for for those those moments. Thank you for giving the opportunity to, to recall. That. Oh, no, it's well, you know, it's so interesting, because I feel like generally, as as teachers, we're pretty good at covering the content. Mm-hmm. We got that down, you know. Yeah. But what you're talking about is really, as you just said, maybe the most important piece, which is how we show up for each other, both before, during, and after this quote educational experience. Mm-hmm. And you know, you mentioned like fixing, but I don't even know if it's so much fixing other people's problems as just seeing them, which yeah. is something else that you mentioned earlier. It's just, I see you mm-hmm. here, here I am with you. And if we have a little bit of extra time, it can make a huge difference. If we can give that to other people, if we have a little bit of extra energy to comfort, it can make a huge difference. Yeah. And just taking, taking that attitude rather than just cramming content. It's really about how are we as people in this right. world together. Yeah. And I've known so many great, amazing teachers um, throughout the years. And that's the piece that they can, they can, you know, know how to break down a concept and know how to explain it efficiently all the live long day. But what makes them amazing is their care and their, their empathy and their, their ability to see their students and not to brush them off or not to, you know, shrug their shoulders and say, I've got my own problems. I mean, it's the ones that are like, you know, making sure I keep food in my classroom. So in case someone, you know, didn't eat today or, or, you know, and I, I strive to be more and more like that. And I, I hope that, you know, some of the students I've worked with have, have found that, Hey, if, if no one else is going to see me, I hope, you know, this person does. And I, I wish I would have had that mm-hmm. growing up a little bit more. And, uh, 
I, I'm very thankful to have the opportunity to to be that for some some people. Thank you so much you. for all that you do. I, and thank you, teachers and educators yes. <laughs> of the world, for having such a huge impact and for generally being un- unsung heroes. But it's a beautiful gift to give to our community and to humanity, this, this educational piece. So thank you, Kaylee. Yeah, thank you. And now it's time for a question from our listener with Ask the Soapbox. Dear Soapy, recently I've been having problems getting motivated on my own projects. I make loads of time to work on other people's projects and problems. Even when I block out time on my calendar, I end up bumping the time slot for my stuff to make room for other things. How do I prioritize and value my own work to get it done? Dear Calendar Crazed, Are you feeling the waves of empathy I'm directing at you? Friend, I hear that. I do it too. Based on your message, it sounds like your calendar is not really the problem, and that's good. You know how to time block projects, you actually have some time to block, and you're organized enough to keep a calendar. So, well done and good on you. But uh, it sounds like you're wrestling with a mindset issue. You identified the issue in your question when you wrote, how do I prioritize and value my own work to get it done? That is the problem. The problem is that you are not prioritizing your work and you are not valuing it either. You're relegating your work and perhaps yourself as an artist to the not important pile. And in effect, you're devaluing yourself and your work. Ouch. So I have some questions for you. And I hope these will help. What are you getting from doing other people's work and projects? What's the specific feeling? Is it recognition? Is it being part of a team? Do you like the feeling that you're the one who can swoop in and help with your expertise that no one else has? So what are the benefits you feel from bumping your work to focus on other people's work? That's the first question. The second question is, What are you afraid you'd lose if you didn't do their projects? So what's that fear about? Are you afraid they'll get mad or not ask you to participate in the future? Are you afraid you'll be lonely or that your own work won't actually be good when you sit down to do it? What's got you scared? Because we're motivated to do what gives us little treats emotionally, and we're motivated to avoid the things that really scare us. So the first trick is to identify what those are. Now, all of this probably requires some deeper work and a much longer response and perhaps a conversation from me. But don't ignore this because it's going to keep coming up and dog you into the future if you don't deal with it. Now, one solution might be to give yourself the aspect that you like as you do your own work while managing the fear that you've identified. For example, if you really like being around people, you like being on a team, you feel lonely working solo, then perhaps some co-working options, even if they're in your own house, or set up some lunches with friends to talk about your work. In the meantime, to get you over the bump while you untangle the mindset stuff, I invite you to try the magic what if, and it is magic. Mara Thomas and I talk about this in our creative accountability group, and I use this sucker all the time when I need to manage my own resistance. 
The magic what if is a gentle way to nudge yourself in the direction of getting things done and also opening your mind to the possibility that it could be another way because that's part of it, right? Sometimes we just get stuck in the rut that the way we're doing things is the only way they could be done. So in your case, here's an example. Look at your next day's calendar the night before and look at the time you blocked out for your own project. Ask yourself questions like, what if I actually did use this time block to work on my own projects just for today? Or what if I committed to 15 minutes of working on my own projects no matter what? Or what if I told person X that I have another commitment from 1 to 2 p.m.? Or what if I start working on my own projects at 1 p.m. and then see how it goes? So specifics are good and soothing if you have a specific start and end time or a specific number of minutes with the option to continue or not. So you come up with these what-if questions and you find the one that works for you and then you implement it. So to be clear, you aren't just thinking what-if, what-if, what-if. You're actually going to do it. You are issuing an invitation to yourself and then you're accepting your invitation. Once you do that, you can expand the parameters of the magic what-if as you feel more comfortable and braver and safer. So what if I used 30 minutes to work on my own projects no matter what? What if I told person X I could deliver that press release 48 hours later in order to preserve the time to do my own work? You get the idea. Okay, calendar crazed. I hope this was helpful. Hone in on what you get from doing other people's work, what you fear if you gave that up, and the magic what if. Thanks for reaching out. Artist Soapbox is a listener-supported podcast. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend. You can support the podcast financially via our Patreon page, patreon.com slash artistsoapbox. You can also visit our website, artistsoapbox.org, for more information. Thanks so much, and we're out. Music